This week on Small Shop Fundraising, we're talking with Kentucky Nonprofit Network about what nonprofits can expect in the coming months. Stay tuned. Small Shop Fundraising is brought to you by Griffin Fundraising and Marketing, a consulting firm here to help nonprofits with their fundraising and marketing goals. Go to gfmky.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to Small Shop Fundraising, a podcast dedicated to small to medium-sized nonprofits and the topics and issues facing them today. We are talking with Kentucky Nonprofit Network today. Laura Whitaker, the Assistant Director, has joined us. Laura, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking about nonprofits with me today. You're welcome. I'm really happy to be here. So let's start with it with just an understanding of what your mission is. Yeah, so Kentucky Nonprofit, our mission is that we exist to strengthen and advance the Commonwealth's nonprofit organizations because we know that nonprofits are essential to vibrant communities. So we're our state association of nonprofits. We have over 760 members at the moment, and these are nonprofits from across the state uh, and also some consultant and business members as well. So we provide education, a lot of training opportunities, webinars, conferences, that sort of thing. We share best practices and resources depending on what the sector is needing. And we also have a unified public policy voice. So our director especially does a lot of advocacy work at the state and federal levels. So it sounds like Kentucky Nonprofit Network is a great resource for Kentucky nonprofits for getting a more holistic view of what the nonprofit industry is in the entirety of the Commonwealth. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, that's correct. Do you have any memberships outside the state? We do actually. We have a handful. And, uh, and interestingly enough, we've had several members join us since the start of COVID uh, from outside the state because these might be states that don't have their own state associations. So the nonprofits have really benefited from the resources that we're sharing, our weekly town halls, and the way we've tried to guide Kentucky nonprofits through through this time. So even though a lot of our materials are specific to Kentucky, some of the materials and resources are geared toward any nonprofit and open to anyone regardless of state boundaries. And we're finding, especially now during during COVID, all of our resources are even more accessible than usual, as are most everyone else's, since everything seems to be online. So yeah, we're we're open to membership members outside of the state, and we have several of them. Okay, that's that's yeah, that's really interesting to know that your membership has gone up for specifically members outside of the state during this pandemic. Wow. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you for that kind of overall view of KNN. I wonder how has your all's mission or services, how have, how have they changed? We'll just start from there. Since the pandemic started really impacting Kentucky. Yeah, so our... Our mission, as I mentioned, has always been to provide resources and education to nonprofits. So that is not changing. However, the resources that nonprofits need is obviously shifting um, and has been shifting since March here in Kentucky. So we 
we had certain programs and events planned that we kind of put on the back burner or had to reschedule, especially if they were in person. Right. We had a few, we had a series of volunteer engagement workshops that were going to be in person in six locations around the state. So obviously we tabled those, but just to use as an example, we came back to the drawing board and said, well, organizations still need volunteers. Just the way they're using and recruiting volunteers is going to be changed over the next several months to a year. So we launched a new series that was a series of webinars and focused really on how to get uh, that information on online recruitment and online screening of volunteers to organizations. So a lot of the like I said, the, the general mission of KNN, of course, is the same and we're still rolling, but the way we're meeting that mission and the needs that the organizations that we support have, have definitely changed. So beginning, I think it was our, our first week that we all came home in March and started working from home. We started doing weekly town hall meetings. Mm -hmm. So these are taking place right now on Thursdays at 10:30 a.m. Eastern, and they're free online meetings. We use Zoom, and we invite nonprofit leaders from across the state to come together, and we share policy updates. And then we typically have a maybe a speaker or a specific theme that we focus on over the 60 to 90 minutes of the town hall meeting that support nonprofits where they are during this time of COVID. So we've had anything from legislators joining us to talk about how upcoming legislation legislation might be affecting nonprofits to several visits from the Small Business Administration to discuss loan opportunities for nonprofits and to answer all those burning questions about how that might work uh, to mental health and self-care for yourself as a nonprofit leader and for your teams as we're all making our way through this time. We, that was obviously something that we did not have in early March, right. but by late March, it became really an important piece of what we offer to our, our members. Okay, so everyone, including Kentucky Nonprofit Network, has switched over to virtual, and that is, seems to be something that will probably be in place at least for the rest of the summer, if not in, into the fall. I'd love to hear your take on all those town meetings and I know we don't have the full day to go through all of it but if we could talk about what you all are accumulating as far as the good the bad and the ugly for Kentucky nonprofit network members and industry as a whole in Kentucky how are nonprofits faring now from that 20,000 foot perspective and what can nonprofits potentially be prepared for in the fall or even you know last quarter of the of the year of course so we wish we had a crystal ball we do not have that <laughs> however we have been doing a series of kind of pulse rapid rapid pulse surveys that we've put out to nonprofits across the state of kentucky so we did our first back in March. And then we've done two more since then with our, our most recent, we just launched earlier this week. So we're trying to get a feel for just that. What are, how are nonprofits faring? What are they needing? Um, and to get, to get realistic information from them. So nonprofits like any industry are struggling right now. It's hard for anyone, especially for nonprofits who are depending on, on income that is maybe coming in from 
donors and from state and local governments and partnerships and contracts with those governments that might be shifting due to COVID. We've definitely heard from some organizations who are unfortunately closing their doors and others who are maybe pressing pause. We've been calling that hibernation. So they're maybe hibernating during this time, reevaluating what they need to do, how they need to do it, and then hopefully coming back, you know, maybe with a, a different model of how they do business or reduce staff. But we hope, of course, that we'll see them again. Uh, of course, there the good side is there are some organizations that are doing well that maybe they already had a good virtual setup for some of their offerings. Um, we have heard from one organization that shared with us on a panel about their virtual events that they have had more attendees in their virtual events than they had in person because they're more accessible. So they're able to you know reach those folks that weren't able to drive to their organization when things were happening in person. So uh, not I don't think it's fair to say that all organizations are struggling or having the hardest time, but obviously a lot of a lot of us are. More good news is that you know nonprofits are resilient and they're creative and they're innovative and a lot of us have been used to doing a lot of work with limited resources. And yeah, that's definitely in the culture, isn't it? Right. <laughs> Whether we like it or not, yes. we we do a lot with small staff or with uh, changing funding or maybe not dependable funding. So I wish that we didn't have to show that in action as much as we're having to show it in action right now. But it is good to see some of those organizations that are that are doing that. You know, in our surveys, and we have we have several reports that are available on our website, so I'm happy to share those with you afterward. Oh, yeah. um, but we, we can have, put those in the show notes. That would be great. I'd love to share that because I think these reports will definitely be able to go into more detail and will be a lot more clear than, uh, than me kind of stumbling through them. But <laughs> we, as you might know, the nonprofit sector is small but mighty. So we have 75% of nonprofits have annual budgets less than 500,000 and 83% less than a million. Unfortunately, we found that over 50% of the organizations that have replied to our surveys have less than three months of cash reserves. Wow. So that was something we found early on in COVID that obviously has I would assume changed since then, and I would assume that that number is even greater now that people have continued to deplete their reserves. Organizations are struggling financially and attempting to find ways to make up those shortfalls and to, to find resources to kind of keep them going. Um, we've also found that, that organizations have cut staff. So our, in our second survey, we found that close to 3,000 staff members had been laid off or furloughed or experiencing a cut in hours or cut in pay due to COVID. And that was just with 136 organizations reporting. So just a small fraction of Kentucky nonprofits reporting and that's 3,000 staff members laid off. Uh, nonprofits as employers are definitely struggling. And then that obviously trickles down. You know, the nonprofit sector in Kentucky is a huge industry. We employ about one in 10 Kentuckians work in a nonprofit. Because the nonprofit industry is struggling just like other industries, it's definitely affecting the workforce as a whole in Kentucky. So to answer your question again, we don't have a crystal ball. We can't see what's 
um, in the future, although we wish we could, and you'll be one of the first to know if we find out. Um, but we do know that, that we have seen and heard from nonprofits who are really dealing with this in innovative ways. And, um, and that's not only going to a virtual format for their services and their educational opportunities, but it's sometimes launching completely new services for their communities, whether that's relief funds for artists, for arts organizations, home visits that are completed uh, via FaceTime, and um, and we've had some organizations who have you know done things like grab and go meals or new services to communities that they have found that are in need due to COVID. So we're hopeful, but we definitely anticipate more layoffs, more closures. Unfortunately, everyone breaks our heart. Of course, we anticipate mergers. And even if not a full merger of nonprofit organizations, then more strategic partnerships or, you know, less formal ways of working together. So we've actually had a webinar that focused on that and, um, and it'll be interesting to see how many organizations kind of keep that in the back of their minds over the next few months to a year. And that is something we've asked about on our most recent survey. Oh, good. Because I was wanting to dig a little bit into that merger portion, if, if you don't mind. For years, it seems like funders especially have been interested in partnerships. And it's been called all, all kinds of different things. Like you said, mergers or partnerships or private public partnerships, a lot of uh, different language being used for kind of what I'm hearing you say, which is let's come together as maybe a more of a singular entity doing similar things to solve an issue that in our community, maybe we can work on together. It sounds like now since... COVID is starting to uh, motivating people to to do just that. Is that what I'm hearing you say as well? Yes. Am so, I right on that? Okay. Yeah, you're definitely right on that. So it's a way for, I mean, any of these, like I said, strategic partnerships, any of the things you mentioned, strategic alliances, full mergers, yeah. that sort of thing. They're all ways for nonprofits to continue existing, first of all, and to continue existing in a in a more efficient way. So it's cost saving. It might allow them to meet more demand for services. It might allow them to, like you said, have a favorable impact on fundraising. So organizations or funding organizations or funders could come in and, and maybe be more willing to support an organization that kind of has the, the strength of another organization backing it or the combined resources of two, or, two organizations as opposed to one more struggling organization right now. So it will be interesting to see and learn more about that and kind of help everyone learn more about that. So, yeah, I look forward to that survey response coming back and you being able to share some more of that data with us as to because that kind of leads into my next question about how can nonprofits prepare for the fall or even into winter and the first quarter of 2021? It's right around the corner. Of course. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> wild how quickly time is passing in this pandemic. But also um, very slowly, right? It's, it's, <laughs> it feels like 
everything has both stood still mm -hmm. and just flown. And here we are in the summer. And I'm like, wait, I didn't, I don't think any of us even had a spring. No. We didn't experience the traditional spring things or Absolutely. the traditional summer things. So yes, fall will be here before we know it. We're encouraging people. I mean, we, we kind of see it as a a tiered a tiered project right now so nonprofits are a lot of them right now are deciding whether and how to reopen to the public so that's kind of the more urgent question that's facing a lot of folks and we have some resources and and these are all free on our website uh, so i don't mind pushing them because they're available to anyone members and non-members because we really want to just be here to support the community through this time. So we have some reopening tools, including a reopening guide that will kind of walk folks through what to think about in terms of reopening and kind of make sure they, they think about everything on this checklist from how to reopen to the public to marketing and communication and communicating with your donors. And then we're, we're soon launching a risk management navigator that'll go really well and kind of hand in hand with that reopening guide. But then of course, beyond that and looking to the fall and looking to next year, whenever people feel, whenever nonprofit leaders might feel like they have a little bit of time to breathe, if that's possible right now, it's a good time for, for leaders and for board members and, and staff to kind of come together and plan and uh, kind of maybe even revamp or you know look at their strategic plan and, and make shifts where needed to think about how things are going to look moving forward, because it's going to be different for all of us, whether we like it or not. Um, so we are encouraging folks to, to communicate, right? Sit down, staff and board, come together. We have tools and there are also a million other ways to do this, but we do have some tools. We, we launched a Survive and Thrive Toolkit. So again, this is free to anyone as well. It's a nine page toolkit that's designed to help leaders identify possible scenarios and then a response strategy to meet those scenarios as the organization moves forward. So it might be what's our kind of worst case economic scenario and what's our best case economic scenario and what's what's Kentucky's worst case uh, COVID scenario, right? Maybe everything shuts down again, everything um, goes back to square one. And then what's our Kentucky's best case COVID scenario? And then how do we fit in and how does our mission fit into that? So it just, it kind of walks you through how to have those conversations, those hard but really important conversations of how to look at things moving forward. And then along with that, we have a, a tool that's a scenario modeling spreadsheet. So it's set up in Excel. All the formulas are there. So, uh, so no one needs to be intimidated by the confusion of Excel formulas. But it kind of walks through the same types of questions, but related to your finances. So what's our best case and what's our worst case? For a lot of us, the, the funding will probably fall somewhere in the middle, right? It's not necessarily going to be the absolute worst case, um, but it's not. It's probably not going to be our best case, best year type scenario. So it'll help you fill in some of those numbers so that nonprofits can really plan as best they can how to prepare for the fall. So, you know, all nonprofits are, are different, but we hope that materials like this will help them think about it. And like I said, even if you don't use these specific tools, these are the conversations that, that we think folks should be having in whatever way they want to have it. Like I said, pull out the strategic plan, look at it, 
be open to changing it, even though it might shift the two or three years ahead that you had originally planned. Yeah, it sounds uh, very similar to what on a different episode, I spoke with Mary Foley, who is the executive director for a Paducah based domestic crisis center. Their first step was a pandemic response plan that they had with both executive team members and their board members. And it was their launch pad to being able to respond for the folks that they sheltered in on campus, the folks that they did outreach for, what the roles and responsibilities were for board members and other staff who needed to stay in place and who needed to work from home. And like you said, the very worst case scenario and how they would respond to continuing to provide services and the very best scenario for the upcoming year. And and that was really their jumping off point. Would you say that's what those tools that you just went through embody? Exactly. Yeah, that sounds very similar. So it sounds like they're on the right track. And yeah, I mean, that's the thing, since none of us really know what's going to happen, we need to just prepare as best we can. And like I said, it usually will fall somewhere in between, hopefully that best case scenario and worst case scenario that that organization you're talking about went through. Um, It'll fall somewhere in the middle and they will have the tools and the plan in terms of where where staff members are going to work, who might have to get cut, that sort of thing as they move. Do you have you had any response back from any of your members or non-members about those particular tools, their ease of use or I don't know uh, how they've been able to engage with them? Yeah, we haven't heard back specifically um, from them, but we know folks are using them and downloading them. We track all that. So uh, among the tools, I mean, we've, we've had quite a few organizations download and hopefully begin that process. We at KNN are actually doing the, the Survive and Thrive Toolkit here in the next couple of weeks. We're moving through it on our end as a staff and then passing it along to our board to get their input as well. I'm happy to report back to you on how that process goes, but it's a long process. And I imagine that we'll be hearing back from, from teams kind of as they start to put some of their scenarios in play. How has the pandemic impacted KNN from your personal perspective? And I would just say we've been busier than ever. So I'm actually pretty new to KNN. I just began as associate director last October. So I was just there for a few months before COVID hit. So I haven't seen, you know, even a full year of KNN, but but our CEO and and founder Danielle Clore said in her 17-ish years, this is the busiest she's ever been. So we are just right. <laughs> we are just trucking along, and um, it's been you know enjoyable and really rewarding because nonprofits need us and we all need each other. We need them and learn from them just as much as they learn from us. So um, it's been definitely rewarding and very busy and overwhelming, just like it has been for, I'd say, almost everyone out there since March. (laughs) We have really been impressed with how much our members have really stood by us and have continued renewing their memberships and have really found value in what we're providing and know that even though a lot of what we're you know our town hall meetings as i said are free um but we are not going to be able to keep doing that forever and our members that are really investing in us and helping us kind of move forward through this time have really 
um, have really meant a lot to us and we've really appreciated that. So our, our membership is still, still going strong and we hope to be able to continue making our way through. So let's switch to a little bit of policy talk around nonprofits and the state. What can nonprofits expect to see potentially from the Commonwealth of Kentucky with regard to any support or, and I'm not just talking uh, financial support, but any resources uh, that can be expected in the coming months or even in 2021, uh, the fiscal year, from the state that potentially nonprofits can look to for support? Yeah, so as the federal relief loans are running out, that's definitely affecting state and local governments, uh, which are experiencing their own cuts and um, their own revenue revenue issues. Um, and that's impacting, you know, like I said earlier, that's impacting some of the government partnerships and contracts that they have with nonprofits. So as far as financial support from governments, it's hard to predict and it's not looking great right now. Um, but we do continue to stay in contact with legislators and we've actually had several legislators join us for our town hall meetings. So, um, and what what are they saying? So they're mostly listening, mostly listening to what nonprofits are needing in terms of upcoming, uh, bills. So we're expecting, you know, the newest relief bill that'll be, you know, negotiated here in the coming weeks. We will see how nonprofits are supported, but nonprofits have asked for, you know, relief and support for nonprofits at all levels. So not just the small and medium sized nonprofits, but even the larger nonprofits as well that were kind of left out of some of the earlier funding. Mm -hmm. Um, So it'll be interesting to see what what comes of that. So right now they are listening and hoping to be able to provide some kind of language in the upcoming legislation for supporting the entire nonprofit industry in Kentucky. And we hope. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we hope. Yeah, us, us too. All of us do. <laughs> what what can nonprofits do right now to help themselves with regard to any kind of uh, stream of funding or resource besides obviously joining the membership of KNN? Yeah, well, one thing that we are doing at KNN, like I mentioned earlier, is a third round of our survey. And all of these survey results have made it to legislators. And that you'll see in the reports, they're really geared toward funders and governments to tell them what nonprofits are needing. The surveys are really there so that we can gather information so that we can share that and make sure nonprofits are getting what they need from funders and from the state and federal government. Something that'll take about 15 minutes and that would really help a lot is for members and non-members to get on that survey and complete it and share their stories. So there are open-ended questions within the survey for you to share what your experiences are and maybe how you felt like you've been supported and what other support you haven't felt that you've received or what support you feel like you need moving forward. And we will share those stories. Of course, we also have a, a on there for you to tell us whether or not you want us to share those stories. But if possible, we will share those stories and use those in guiding our conversations moving forward. Are these anonymous surveys or are they, can you opt in to, 
to say who you are and exactly so they can be anonymous and there's also a space for optional contact information uh, if people would like to leave that because we might follow up and ask you know additional questions like i said ask if we could share their story and and if we have resources that we think might be helpful of course that's great for us to know so we can connect them with that Okay. That's one thing that that nonprofits can do right now to help themselves is to provide the data so that legislators and other other folks who can provide resources can understand a more holistic viewpoint of the industry within the state. Exactly. Well, that's awesome. So another survey that people are talking about, especially our governor, is the census. How does filling out your census support Kentucky nonprofits? Great question. I love the census. <laughs> it was one of the first projects I started working on when I came on to KNN. And KNN and a team of nonprofits from across the state had formed the Count Me In Kentucky Nonprofit Coalition long before I joined back in October. So this has really been on the forefront of a lot of nonprofits' plates for a while, and I really, really appreciate the work that they've done and have taken on. You know, nonprofits, like any other business, use data from the census all the time in in grant proposals, in their policy work, in determining what kind of services their community needs. So the data that comes from the census is really important for for nonprofits and others to use in in planning. And then nonprofits also know that whatever the the government doesn't provide or whatever the the business sector doesn't provide is going to fall onto the laps of nonprofits to kind of fill in those gaps. So if communities if Kentucky doesn't get the funding that we need to provide school lunches, if we don't get the money that we need to provide health care, if we don't get the money that we need to provide important educational resources for kids at all levels, nonprofits are the ones that are going to be coming in and getting that work done because that's what nonprofits do. We, we go in and we see what needs to happen and we figure out how to get it done. Like I said earlier, often with little resources and little funding. So it really, nonprofits really do have a vested interest in getting a complete census count so that we do have the funding. And that doesn't mean that the nonprofit work stops. It just might mean that um, it means that the nonprofit work shifts, right? And we we can continue providing supplemental activities or supplemental resources to get the community members the support that they need. So fill out your census. Fill out your census. And we have a lot of resources on our website for nonprofit leaders, along with the entire Count Me and Kentucky Nonprofit Coalition um, of resources to share, including ways that you can help get the word out even now um, in the time of COVID. It's called countmeandky2020.com. And this is a statewide census site. It's actually launched and maintained by us at KNN and by the Count Me In KY Nonprofit Coalition. Um, and we think a, a statewide site is really helpful. So yeah. not only fill out your census, but nonprofits tell other people to fill out their census. And do you all support nonprofits with some sort of maybe marketing materials or? Yes, so we do on our website, we have um, under advocate, we have a census page that's dedicated to resources for nonprofits to use. Thank you so much for providing all that information. I think the resources that Kentucky Nonprofit Network provide, uh, whether they're in the state or not, is really important that there are resources, that there is some hope because 
we all need hope in order to get to the brighter days. Thank you for that. I do have a couple more questions. These are my one common questions that I have asked everybody who I've interviewed so far. So Ooh, yeah. what is one thing that you love about working with nonprofits? I would say the people. So I have encountered so many inspiring people who are both using the services of the nonprofit and especially my role at KNN leading the nonprofit. I mentioned earlier the innovation and the, the creativity mm-hmm. of nonprofits, and that's because they have great leaders behind them and do a lot of important works. So what do you love less about working for nonprofits? Not hate, but love less. That's a great question. I think nonprofits are really misunderstood. It's really easy for people to wrap their heads around what a for-profit business does. I guess the, the most frustrating part or the part that I love less is having to start from the ground up in terms of teaching people, especially, you know, especially governments and and others that nonprofits really need resources, right? The hardest, the hardest or the most frustrating part of it would, would simply be um, educating people who do not fully understand what a nonprofit is mm-hmm. so that nonprofits can get the best support they, they can get. What is one piece of advice that you would like to bestow upon nonprofit leaders right now? Just keep keep moving forward. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. It's a really hard time right now. I've mentioned some resources to plan for the long term and to plan for what the fall looks like. And that's great. And we need to get there. Sometimes we just have to get up out of bed and put one foot in front of the other and make it through that day. And right now there is still a lot of triage. There's still a lot of work that needs to be done urgently just to pick up the pieces that have been falling since March. So I would re- I would encourage nonprofit leaders to continue moving forward and to give themselves grace for the balance that they're having to find right now in terms of planning forward and surviving in 10 years, but also just making it through the next few weeks and next few months. Keep moving forward is something Walt Disney used to always say. And so I think that's a great piece of advice that has withstood the test of time. What is one favorite resource of yours that you would like to share? You've provided a ton of resources, but (laughs) something that you like. Yeah, so one that I have not touched base or touched on yet is the National Council of Nonprofits. KNN is actually a, a member organization of the National Council who has members that are state associations across the country. Um, and they have a lot of resources, not just for us as state associations, but for nonprofit organizations in general. So that's the National Council of Nonprofits and um, definitely encourage folks to look them up. Uh, last question. What are you all doing as, as a nonprofit around the racial injustice that we are seeing across the country? We have launched a series of calls. We're calling them Let's Talk Race, Conversations for Nonprofit Leaders. And they're happening bi-weekly to to monthly. Um, Our facilitator is actually heading out on maternity leave soon. So we're gonna go to a once a month format until she comes back. But these are a series of calls, again, open to anyone. And we have a facilitator that leads us through some things to think about 
workout, some activities, of course, resources and suggestions for how they can address these with their teams, these important issues with their teams. And then we've also launched a webpage of resources that are both geared toward nonprofit leaders and uh, toward community members in general to, to find resources, books, podcasts, and uh, anything they need. Some, some folks are really, we're really already addressing and we're really already at the forefront and others of us were, are, are still learning and have a lot to learn. And I include me personally in that, that latter field. I know that I have so much to learn and so much important work to do. Mm-hmm. Everyone's in a different part of the journey for sure. All right. So this has been a wonderful interview. Thank you so much again for your time and sharing your knowledge. I do hope that nonprofits prepare. I think we're going to need to and continue to move forward, like you said before. So thanks again for coming on, Laura. This has been Small Shop Fundraising. I'm your host, Liz Hack. Thanks for listening.